0: Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, the Dodgers split the first two games in San Francisco and now they head to Game 3 with home field advantage and Max Scherzer on the mound. We'll talk Scherzer, A.J. Pollock, Cody Bellinger, the pitching plans for Game 4, and a lot more. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello Dodger fans, I'm Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential and this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Vince and I are doing a split episode today, so he will be with you for the second half of this show. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. This is the daily podcast covering the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. As I said at the top, we're going to talk a lot about the first two games of the Dodgers-Giants series, not really recapping them. Uh, I'm sure that everyone listening to this Podcast, either watched the games or at least knows what what happened. The Dodgers split this, the first two games in San Francisco with the Giants, losing four to nothing to Logan Webb on. Friday, and then beating the Giants nine to two, I believe on Saturday. Uh, And so you know, a lot to talk about about those games, we got a lot to talk about about the future coming up. And so that's the plan for today. Uh, First, I want to remind you, please subscribe or follow locked on Dodgers on YouTube, and or wherever you get podcasts, just follow everywhere. And you know, when you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast locked on Dodgers. So unfortunately, uh, but not surprisingly, the umpires played kind of a big part in the first two games of this series already. Carlos Torres made some pretty bad calls early in the game on Friday that may or may not have contributed to the Dodgers uh, basically helping Logan Webb a lot, chasing a lot of pitches outside the zone. Hard to tell if they were doing that because of the calls by Torres early or just because Logan (laughs) Webb, the fact is Logan Webb's a very good pitcher. Not every chase is a failure by the hitter sometimes it's a victory by the pitcher and so Logan Webb is a very good pitcher uh, and so he does get a lot of chases Uh, obviously it would have been really nice if the Dodgers hadn't done so much of that and uh, it's tough to know how much of that was because of the umpiring but uh, then on Saturday Angel Hernandez you know when you have a rough game behind the plate umpiring and then the next day you get Angel Hernandez it's like okay now I remember why I want robot umps Uh, Angel Hernandez was bad Uh, he finished off at 91% which actually means that he was quite a bit better the second half of the game than the first half uh, so maybe the pitchers just stopped throwing uh, borderline pitches I don't know but uh, overall 91% I've mentioned this before that sounds like an A- minus. it's not because the umpire's job is to get them all correct and so 91% is pretty darn bad average is 94 which is 94 is way lower than I would like, and that's the average. Uh, 91 is really bad. Angel Hernandez was really bad. It was against both teams, you know, uh, regardless of what you'll read on giant social media. uh, Both teams were victims of, of Angel Hernandez. According to run expectancy, it was actually... More in favor of the Giants than the Dodgers, but you know there was definitely a strikeout looking on Darren Ruff that was not in the strike zone, but then the Giants' first run scored was scored by a guy who was only on base because Angel Hernandez missed a called strike three. So all in all, just a you know a rough couple of games for umpiring. I'm hoping that the umpiring will get better because. Uh, I don't believe in blaming umpires for losses. I just don't like bad umpiring. I enjoy baseball more when the umpires are good at their jobs because I watch baseball for the baseball players. That's where I get my human element. I don't need to get human element from the umpires. I want the umpires to be as close to perfect as possible, uh, which is why as soon as the technology is ready, I am totally in favor of uh, the guy squatting behind a 220-pound man is no longer in charge of calling the balls and strikes with his obstructed view. Uh, so as soon as the technology is ready, I'm ready for that. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on the umpires because it is what it is, and hopefully it'll get better. Uh, the I, I do want to talk a little about A.J. Pollock. There was a lot of talk going into game two. A.J. Pollock really struggled in the wild card game against the Cardinals. He struggled against Logan Webb. Again, everybody struggles against Logan Webb lately. Uh, but, you know, there was a lot of talk about whether A.J. Pollock was going to get – the start. What, what Dave Roberts ended up doing was, uh, you know, th- a lot of the talk had to do with AJ Pollock or Chris Taylor. Taylor had the big home run, obviously, to win the, the wild card game. And uh, then he didn't play in game one. So people were thinking, well, maybe they should get Pollock out of there, put, put Taylor in. Instead, they, they did both. Uh, they moved Cody Bellinger to first base, took Matt Beatty out of the lineup uh, against Kevin Gosman and and put Chris Taylor in center field, left A.J. Pollock in left field. And there was a lot of talk about, was that the right call? You started to think maybe the Giants even wondered if that was the right call because in the second inning uh, with a runner on second and two outs, they went to 2-0 on A.J. Pollock and then just decided to intentionally walk him to get to Julio Urias. Uh, Julio then drove in the first run of the game for the Dodgers with an RBI single. Uh, And, you know, the fact is a lot of people – uh I saw a lot of people clowning on the Giants for walking Pollock to get to Julio uh, saying, have you not seen Pollock's numbers in the postseason? Blah, 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 blah. The fact is AJ Pollock is a significantly better hitter than Julio, uh, regardless of what Julio has done this year. Uh, AJ Pollock is a better hitter than Julio. I didn't think it was a terrible call uh, once they went to 2-0 and on Pollock. I I didn't necessarily think it was the right call. I don't think there are that many calls by, by managers that are right or wrong, but it wasn't a terrible call to walk him. I think that works out most of the time. I think you can count on getting the pitcher out for the third out. When it doesn't, it looks really bad. And the uh, but then later in the game, AJ Pollock did have two hits. He had a two-run double in the Dodgers big rally. Vince is going to talk a little bit about Cody Bellinger later in his part of the episode. But Bellinger and Pollock hit back-to-back two-run doubles to break the game open for the Dodgers, which was huge. Two guys who've struggled at different times, you know that that was a big deal there. Uh, and Pollock's, you know, he had another hit later in the game. And for me, really, what it boils down to what Dave Roberts said uh, when he when he was saying that. Uh, he was going to keep A.J. Pollock in. The question was about A.J. Pollock or Gavin Lux in this particular context, and he said, Robert said, there's a body of work component. Gavin swung the bat really well and picked us up big for two weeks. There's also a component of the season A.J.'s had and the experience. I think that's absolutely right. Unless you really believe there's something about the postseason that causes Pollock to become bad, then you go with the longer track record. And I'm not saying nobody has ever just been worse in the postseason than in the regular season, but I think for the most part, the guys who crumble under pressure like that don't make it to the big leagues in the first place. I think a lot of that is us projecting our own human frailties onto these guys who, by virtue of being professional baseball players, they're different than us by, by definition, they're different than us. They don't crumble under pressure like you or I might. And so, you know, it's there, there's no denying that Pollock has been bad in the postseason. Most of the time he's been with the Dodgers. Uh, I just don't believe that that means he will continue to be bad in the postseason. You know, Barry Bonds in his first, uh, 27 career postseason games, he batted 196 with one home run in 27 games. That's from 1990 to 2000. Uh, Barry Bonds won a few MVP awards in that time. He was a very good player during that time, and he was really bad in the postseason. And then his next postseason after that, in 2002, he had a 15.59 OPS in 17 games in the 2002 postseason. Now, I, I know Barry Bonds is a, a hot-button topic. I'm using him as an example. There are plenty of examples of people who started their postseason careers poorly and then turned it on. And the fact is, I will take a good player over a less good player all the time because I don't think it being the postseason actually makes that big a difference. Uh, So I liked... Roberts' call to leave Pollock in the lineup, and it paid dividends for them, and so I was happy that he did it. I agreed basically exactly with his reasoning. I don't always agree with Dave Roberts' reasoning, but in this case, I agreed with it uh, pretty much down to the letter. So I'm going to come back and make, I'm going to talk about Max Scherzer, uh, his, uh, some of his comments in this post conference, uh, his press conference the other day uh, about his upcoming start in game three. So go ahead and keep it locked on Dodgers. Hey, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend's logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's direct TV com compatible device required content varies by package all right let's talk about max scherzer a little bit max scherzer will be starting game three for the dodgers and uh D- dave roberts had some comments about this that i really like too uh you know basically uh Going into game three, you know after Game one with the Dodgers getting shut out, it was kind of doom and gloom. Roberts treated uh, game two as a basically a do or die game. Vince is gonna talk more about that uh, in his part. but uh, what Roberts said when somebody asked about going into game three, do you like the Dodgers position now being tied one-to-one with Max Scherzer going? And Robert said, that's a good feeling. It's interesting how the narrative changes from game to game. And right now it's a three game series. We have home field advantage and we've got Max on the mound. So I like where we're at. And that's exactly right. You know, the, how much things can change going into game two. And that's why Vince is going to talk about why the Dodgers did treat it as a must win, because they knew if they could, if they could win game two, it, Put them in this situation where they had home field advantage and Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller pitching two of the next three games. So, uh, you know, that, that's it's a good feeling to be in for a Dodgers fan, good situation to be in. And so, we're uh, they had the press conference that they do, I think this is on Sunday, leading into today's game three. And uh, Scherzer had some interesting comments on a couple things. One thing that will make Dodger fans feel really good, I think, uh, is that. He said that he and the coaching staff identified a a mechanical issue in his delivery with his lower half mechanics is what he said. Uh, and he feels like he, they made the adjustment. He threw a bullpen session with the adjustment and it went really well. He said, there's times where you get a little out of sync. It's about grinding through it, finding out what it is. Then you grab onto something and find something that works for you and get your mechanics all locked back in and find the rhythm. Once you can find that rhythm, then everything flows. Max Scherzer has struggled his last three starts. And, uh, you know, even in the wildcard game, he only allowed the one run, but he didn't go very deep in the game. And, uh, you know, it it was Austin Barnes said that it seemed like Scherzer started to get it figured out there at the end of that outing. But by then it was a little bit too late. to he His pitch count was so high. But if the Dodgers can get the version of Max Scherzer that pitched for them for a couple months this year, uh, you really like that matchup. Max Scherzer, no offense to Alex Wood. Alex Wood is a good pitcher, but Max Scherzer is a significantly better pitcher than Alex Wood. And the Dodgers going in, Max Scherzer against Alex Wood, this is a game where you feel like you really like the Dodgers' chances of winning this game. Now, if the Giants can pull this off, that's a huge win for them. And so it's not that this is a must-win game, uh, but it, it is definitely a game where the Dodgers, being expected to win, the the Dodgers really need to win this game. Uh, another quote that that Scherzer said in his press conference about the Dodgers-Giants rivalry. I really like this. He said, our Dodger fan base definitely wants us to beat the Giants. It's personal to them, so it's personal to us. We want to win. We, re- we respect the heck out of the Giants and what they how good they are, but you got to go out there and believe that you can beat them. I love that he basically he he wants to win because he knows the fans want it so bad. Max Scherzer is a competitor, uh, but I love that he's bought into this, this rivalry. Uh, Dodgers-Giants is, you know, maybe the best rivalry in baseball. Uh, You know, I know that some people over on the East Coast might argue with that. Uh, It's definitely the best rivalry in the National League West. I know some people down at uh, Dodger Stadium South would argue with that. But, uh, you know, it it is a great rivalry and Max Scherzer is buying into it. And I think he's going to thrive on that. Being at Dodger Stadium, all pumped up, you know, with the crowd. I think it's going to be a pretty intense atmosphere. And I think Scherzer is going to, going to step up to the moment, you know, if he really has figured out the, the most important thing is how good a pitcher are you? And if he's figured out the mechanical flaws, Max Scherzer potentially could be the best pitcher in baseball, the version of Max Scherzer that has a chance to win the Cy Young award. If he shows up that, that I mean, the Giants, it's going to be really hard for them to to get much together. and And the Dodgers against Alex Wood hopefully can. And so it's going to be a really, really big test to see how well these mechanical changes work for Scherzer. And I'm excited to see it, because if we get that version of Max Scherzer, it is going to be awesome. Uh, And, you know, I've always said, I've mentioned this to a few people, Max Scherzer is a consummate professional, he is a, he's a workhorse. And that includes in between starts. And so, I just knew if there's something to be figured out, Max Scherzer is going to figure out the, the concern is, well, maybe it's not something to figure out. Maybe he just lost it. And that didn't seem likely because he was so good right before that, that it doesn't seem like he just suddenly lost something without any explanation. So it seemed like there must be a mechanical flaw or something that they could figure out. And it seems like hopefully they figured it out. And so we'll, we'll see, we'll know within the first inning or two today, if, uh, you know if he is the Max Scherzer that we saw for a couple months or if he's the Max Scherzer we've seen in the last few starts even if he's that version the Dodgers still have a decent chance to win because even that version is probably as good as Alex Wood and so then it comes down to the offenses and I do think the Dodgers have a better offense than the Giants uh you know we'll see what happens but uh hopefully the good version of Max Scherzer shows up because what we need is for Max Scherzer to go deep in the game uh, and for the offense to show up, if my my perfect scenario would be you're going seven innings and the Dodgers being up by six or seven runs by then. So David Price can pitch the last couple of innings because then that goes into game four, which Vince is going to talk about with game four. You know, he'll talk about the context of if the Dodgers happen to lose game three, what they do in game four, but also what they would do in game four uh, if if they win game three. And if you could go into that game four with an entirely re- all the good pitchers in your bullpen rested, uh basically David Price, the only one who's pitched in the last couple of days, that's my dream scenario because then you tell Tony Gonsolin, Okay, go as far as you can, get us three or four innings, and then we'll use these these seven relievers to get through those last six five or six innings, you know? And so Obviously, it's not likely to to go that well. I, I don't know if the Dodgers are actually going to win by six or seven runs two games in a row against the Giants, but I do think that there's a decent chance that Scherzer can go deep in the game, six or seven innings, and then you know the Dodgers have enough of a lead that they don't have to use the super high leverage guys. And, and even if they do, they go into game four with a pretty rested bullpen and ready to... To, to take the series. And that's obviously the goal going in here. Uh, th- this series has lived up to the hype so far. There's been two good games. Uh, you can see how these two teams ended up with 106 and 107 win- wins this season. They are closely matched. I believe the Dodgers are better. And I'm hoping that they're going to show that over the next couple of days. So that's going to do it for me. Like I said, Vince is going to come talk to you. He's going to talk about Cody Bellinger. He's going to talk about the game four starter, a few other things. So uh, thank you for being here with me. Uh, stick around for Vince. Vince will be along in a minute and I will talk to you tomorrow.
1: Yo, 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 Dodger fans, Vince here to close out the episode and let's just hop right into it. Let's talk about Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger, as we know, had one of the worst seasons, uh, not just like worst seasons for him, but not a great season, just in general overall, especially one for a former VP. But as Jeff and I have mentioned a lot, that won't matter if he does stuff in the playoffs to lead the Dodgers to another world series title. And so far, that's what he's been doing. It hasn't always looked pretty, but it's looked pretty well enough times already in the, in the three games they've played so far uh, for their be for there to be some hope. And he had to get on base three times, two stolen bases in the wild card game was uh, technically the winning run that game on Chris Taylor's walk-off home run. Didn't look great on game one of the NLDS, but, Uh, Nobody did, so we can't fault him too much, and then ended up coming through in game two of the Nods with a big two-run double to put the Dodgers ahead and keep them ahead for good, and... The one th- real quick thing is that he is not supposed to be in the starting lineup, uh, because Alex Wood's starting, and Albert Pujols will start for the Dodgers, and they won't have Cody Bellinger out there. I would imagine he gets in the game once Wood is out of the game. I know the Giants do have some lefties in the pen, but uh, at that point, depending how how deep they go into the game, uh, defense might become more important than offense if the Dodgers get him out early. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, I mean Cody Bellinger, he continues to just fine ways or uh, not continue but it's been two games uh two out of three games he's been a big contributor to those wins and in two of those games where they won or the ones they won and the one he wasn't a big contributor they ended up losing but like I said that one's not really his fault nobody contributed that game so I like what we're seeing from Bellinger he's still providing the good defense it hasn't really came out yet uh, he hasn't had to make any ridiculous plays but We all know he's out there in center field really good and at first base if they need him there as well. So that's what we're going to roll with. And Albert Poole starting, interesting. Uh, You do lose a little bit defensively at first base. He's just a little slower. It hasn't really hurt the Dodgers in too many times since he's been out there. Uh, But just knowing the playoffs and knowing how things come down to little tiny minor things, I hope that it doesn't hurt them, and I hope it helps them offensively. I hope he can come through against Alex Wood and, and have a big knock or a big hit or maybe even a home run and and get the Dodgers going. Um, and this is, like Jeff talked about earlier, this is the game. This is the series shift. Now, the, the first two games pretty evenly matched to a certain extent when it comes to Pitching matchups, Webb, Bueller, both the aces for for their respective teams. Webb, you probably didn't expect him to do exactly what he did because for a first-time uh, pitcher in the postseason, he basically was one of the more dominant performances, uh, not just recent time, but almost of all time, with, the, with how many swings and misses he got. And then second game, he had Julio and Kevin Gausman, both. We'll finish top 10 in Cy Young voting more than likely. Julio for sure. Gosman, I would imagine so. At least top 10. Um, but it was still you know, fairly fairly equal, even though Julio had probably been the better pitcher in the second half of the season. Uh, and Gosman was really good in the first half of the season. But this is where it, it shifts. Max Scherzer, Alex Wood. On paper, the Dodgers should win this game. And that's what they need to go out and do. Have faith in Scherzer. And have faith in just the, the adjustments that need to be made if Alex Wood does last long into the game, or if he doesn't last long into the game, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to come back, talk a little bit about what happens if they don't end up uh, winning game three, and just a couple other news and notes about the Dodgers. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars. Uh, If you've heard that before, it's because we've told you a lot, a lot, a lot of times, probably over 100 times already if you're if you're a constant and frequent listener. And if you haven't, let me tell you again, Built Bars, best tasting protein bars out there, hands down. They're all covered in chocolate, which is a very good start for a protein bar. But not only are they covered in chocolate, they have a bunch of great flavors. Uh, they always have a variety of flavors. They have rotating flavors. Pretty much anything you like or you think you might like that's chocolate, they'll have. And if not, you just got to wait like a week or something, they'll probably have a new flavor that you're probably going to like. But the best part about it, they're also healthy macros. Let's check them out. 17, 18 grams of protein per bar. Great. Calories usually ranging from 130 to 180. Very great. Four to five gram sugar, four to five gram net carbs. What more could you ask for out of a protein bar? Not only does it taste great, but it's healthy for you. And their official protein bar of the U.S. Track and field team, which is pretty cool. So right now, get 15% off your order with the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. So go to bill.com, use the promo code lock15 and you'll get 15% off your order. All right, we are back in. Thank you for making us your first listen. Make sure to make us your first listen every morning Monday through Friday on YouTube or wherever you find your podcast, we're free and available. So, go go check that out. Let's talk about uh the situation we, you know, don't want to happen but is very possible and It comes down to what happens if the Dodgers lose game three and more so specifically, what do they do with the starting pitching? They could throw Walker Bueller on short rest right now. They have a Tony Gonsolin slash bullpen game kind of planned. Not sure if Gonsolin would be the open or the starter, or would they have an opener and then he'd be the bolt guy. You know, it's probably going to depend what happens in game three to, to be honest, but you know, do you try to take advantage that the Giants have a TBD on theirs? I think Di Sclafani might be the guy or a bullpen game as well. Uh, but do you go with Buley on short rest, knowing that if you do win that game, if you lose game three, win game four, you have Julio on full rest uh, going in game five. Julio was very was very good on Saturday. He went five innings, just the one run. Could have went more, but I think once the Dodgers kind of put the game out of reach a little bit, Dave Roberts maybe wanted to save him just in case they did need him for a potential appearance here in Game 5. Um, so, you know, it's a matter of what do you think. Uh, I don't think Walker Bueller's ever thrown on a short rest, at least not with the Dodgers. Um, I'm sure he, he might have done it when he was growing up, but it's one of those things where, where you don't know exactly. Uh, the, the one – you know, the factor I would argue in favor of starting Walker Bueller in a Game 4 – uh, is that it's do or die, so go at your best. The fact that it's Walker Bueller, who's for the most part been one of the best postseason pitchers in, in Dodgers' recent history. And I don't know. I like Walker Bueller at Dodgers Stadium a lot more than I like Walker Bueller in San Francisco. Obviously, that's a little bit of recency bias since he got knocked around in September in San Francisco and had an okay start. Uh, you know, not the best start, but an okay start here in his last start. But I think for a for you know a guy like Walker Bueller, I don't know. I, I prefer him at home. And if you can get him and he's ready to go. And and the thing is he wouldn't have to give you seven innings of you know, whatever. He needs to give you five good innings so you can save your bullpen a little bit and and have everyone full ready to go for a game five, or you just throw the kitchen sink if Julio doesn't have it, or you know Julio didn't end up going too many innings, or whatever the case may be. So I wouldn't say I'm in 100% in favor of it, but I'm leaning toward being in favor of starting Walker Buehler on short rest if the Dodgers don't win game three because, you know, you lose game four going with Gonsolin in a bullpen game and you just, you're just going to have that sitting in the back of your mind like what if we would have threw Buehler. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, that's that's the, the slippery slope right there. But I think knowing that you have Julio Rias in game five, the way Julio's pitched in the postseason, the way Julio's pitched against the Giants, I think – that can be a little bit more of a factor of you know what let's try bueller on short sure rest and uh you know let's go let's go try to win the game and it's a not a similar mentality but just want to talk about the mentality Dave roberts mentioned before game two and kind of treating that game as a do or die and in the postseason uh Every game feels like do or die, but I understand what he's saying. You're not going to treat every game like do or die, especially in a five-game series. More so in a seven-game series, you can get away with a little bit more, maybe you know conceding a game a little bit more early or a little bit earlier than you thought in order to save some arms to go full bore for other games. Five-game series is a little different. You lose game one, and the way they lost game one was just like, you know what, this not maybe won't happen. You know, Logan Webb thoroughly dominated them. The do- the Giants hit a bunch of home runs in their stadium when the Dodgers never seem to hit home runs in that stadium. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad Will Smith hit one on, on Saturday though. But it comes down to the biggest thing is that Dave Roberts knew what the matchup is in Game Three. He knew that Scherzer he knows Scherzer versus Alex Wood. So Game Two becomes that do or die because you have you take home field advantage. Oh, I think my voice cracked a little bit. You take home field advantage. You have shirt. You have a the potential NL Cy Young pitching in game three against a Giants pitcher who's a solid pitcher, but, you know, not a Cy Young candidate by any means. And then you give yourself a little bit of a buffer, and and, and that's, you know, potential buffer if, if you win that game three. So, and also, you don't want to go back to San Francisco. You know, theoretically, the Dodgers flipping home field advantage, win game two, okay, now you win game three, game four, you don't have to go back to San Francisco. Going back to San Francisco to face Logan Webb, Doesn't seem enticing, you know, even though if Logan Webb can't replicate what he did in Friday night's win, he can still get close to it and it'll still be benefiting them more so than it would benefit the Dodgers, obviously. So I think the the mentality Roberts had was the right one. And it ended up not mattering too much as the offense kind of helped out, put them comfortably ahead. They didn't have to use any of their, their big arms in the bullpen. And they got to use a couple guys to see what they got. You know, Corey Kniebel was good to see Corey Kniebel get an inning. You know, Alex Vestia, those guys who you're not entirely sure what you're going to get out of them in October, but it was good to see that. You know, Bruce Dargado's had a couple good outings already, so that's a good sign too. Uh, he seems to know when it took October maybe. Uh, he, he's doing pretty well. So it became a matter of, yeah, do or die. And 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 that's – I feel like that's how he would have managed it, and he didn't have to end up managing that way because offense got – far enough ahead early enough in the game to where he didn't have to do that. But it also feels like that the rest of this game, you know, I feel like every game now is do or die. Is it, you know, technically speaking? No, but it feels like it. And if you don't win game three, that's like I said, a huge blow. So you got to go do what you need to do to win game three. And if you throw your best at them and you don't win game three, you know what? You tip your cap, you go play game four and you just, see what happens and you, you throw everyone that you got because it'll be a bullpen game and, and or you go with Buehler depending on how you want to go about it. So uh, I like the mentality and it was, you know, ended up working out. Not not in the way that Dave Roberts might have thought, but it ended up working out because his team ended up helping them out. So it, it, it's, you know, good sign there. I think the biggest shift to other than the, the Scherzer Wood, is just coming back to Dodger Stadium. Now Dodger Stadium, so the home field advantage in terms of the crowd usually very good. The crowds, the crowd, it, it, it's not like a I don't know. It's a little bit different crowd. You know, you watch, you watched just just recently the the Yankees Red Sox. Now obviously that was a big rivalry, but Yankees Red Sox out Fenway. Those guys, those people were living and dying with every single pitch. You didn't feel that so much at Dodger Stadium, but like when the moments come. You know, when Scherzer needed some encouragement, when he was struggling early on, he got two strikes on the batter. The crowd would get up. And once the crowd does get going, the crowd gets going. And, uh, you know, as much as maybe some of us don't like Bill Plasky, he did mention this fact that in the – I don't remember what year it was. One of the the most – one of the more recent years uh, he wrote an article and how Dodger Stadium is a little bit different than a lot of other stadiums. And it's the fact that you have that fifth level, the fifth level of fans – You got a, uh, you know, opposing pitcher coming up and and you're used to field level, you know, a second level, load your club, whatever you want to call it. You know, and then the third level might be divided into like two sections, but it's usually just the three levels or not a fifth or fourth. And I understand you got that extra top deck, which is literally just behind the home plate and a little bit extended right on top of you. If you're a pitcher, I would imagine it feels like they're right on top of you. And then, you know, it, it is a home field advantage. And then the other part is the Dodgers offense doesn't seem to do well in terms of power when they play in San Francisco. I talked about this last week. Um, and, and and even then, you know, they scored a bunch of runs the other night, but it was just the one home run that they got, and, and it was from Will Smith. So the Dodgers offense can hit home runs at Dodger Stadium. We've seen it happen uh, a lot. And, and you know, what, they, they won 16 in a row at Dodger Stadium and know there's a little bit of an advantage there, and I just feel like they're more comfortable playing at home. You know where the ball's going to go. It's not too much wind. You're not playing with a bunch of elements. You're not playing with a weird field that has some weird dimensions. You're playing a, a normal symmetrical baseball field, and I don't know. I just feel like the offense performs better at home, and uh, I like the home field advantage. So I think the Dodgers are, are, are in a good spot. I'm excited for this game. Honestly, it's one of the more anticipated games. Obviously, this series has been one of the more anticipated series. But game one, you had high hopes for Bueller. Didn't quite work out. But, you know, even if Bueller had just given up one run, the Dodgers still would have lost that game because Logan Webb was just, you know, dominant. And then game two went about. Maybe not exactly how you expect, but I did expect them to get to Gausman, expected Julio to, to keep them close or keep them in the game at the very least. And then it would just be a matter of bullpens, which I trusted Dodgers bullpen because, you know, they, they Bueller went pretty deep. So they were fairly well rested. They had all their big, big guys ready to go. They didn't end up having to use some of those big guys. So now for sure you got Kenley Jansen, Blake Trinan available in game three whenever they're needed maybe for even some extended, you know, Dave Roberts said that it could be stretched a little bit here since they haven't pitched in this NLDS so far, uh, whether that means he meant back to back days, or maybe, maybe stretching one of them across more than three outs uh, that'll remain to be seen. And we'll see how he, how he plays it. Uh, but hopefully Scherzer just goes seven strong. And then they, you got Blake for the eighth and, and Jensen for the ninth and you know, call it good, go up 2 one and, and come back with a bullpen game on, on uh game four and, and go after him. So, I'm I'm excited. That, that's you know, no bones about it. And I, I like that the Dodgers get all the, the prime time games or the, the latest game when it when there's a bunch of NLDS and ALDS games. But man, it's gonna suck waiting all the way to 630 for this game, especially with three other baseball games earlier in the day. You know, you can watch, I'm gonna watch those games because I have to watch them for work. But you know, if you're at work, it might be a little bit if you're at a, like an actual nine to five type of job or wherever you work, whatever your hours are, it, it I, this is, like, the one time I, I don't envy you because of your job, but I envy you because you're, like, probably going to work and then get off at maybe, like, 5 or 6, and then sh- the game will be on where, you know, I have to sit and wait and watch all these baseball games, which is fun, but you're also like, man, I wish it was 6.30 already. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, and uh I'm ready to go. I, I know I'm not going to be on the field, but I'm ready to go. I'm ready to to cheer these Dodgers on. I got my stress m We are We are ready to go. Whatever routines you locked in for game two, if you're you're a routine person, you know, lock them back in for game three. And, uh, yeah, Max Scherzer, let's go to work. Jeff brought up the quote that he said, and it's one of the first times where I was like, yes, that's exactly how we feel because it it feels like the Dodgers, you know, obviously they had the big, big win last year the World Series, but it feels like the Dodgers – like there's a, there's a lot of games that the fans probably want to want to win a lot more than the Dodgers in terms of like regular season, you know, getting swept by the Padres earlier this year, not fun. Uh, Losing a game to the Astros is just not fun. Um, And, and things like that where the fans want it. And Scherzer said that the fans really want this. So now it feels personal to us and, that's just the perfect quote and and I love Max Scherzer for it and uh you know we're I'm all in Max Scherzer. Let's go. Let's go get it and uh and I'm excited to see you go out there and give me seven. seven Seven out. That's all I asked for I'm not for much. seven shout out and let's go get it. Uh, so yeah, that's gonna be today's show that's uh and my voice is gone. I don't know why. That's going to be today's show. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making us your first listen every morning. If you want a second listen every morning, go to Locked On MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully. And he brings you his unique perspective on the Major League's past and present. It's also free and also available on our platforms. If you want to find us, we are on YouTube, Locked On Dodgers, or Locked On Dodgers, wherever you get your podcasts. We are on social media. Twitter, and Instagram at LockedOnDodgers. We are on social media, or Jeff and I are on social media. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog, um, at Vince Samperio. Other ways to get a hold of us are email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com, or you can always send us a text or leave us a voicemail at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. take your smart device play podcast, Lockdown Dodgers, or go on YouTube and do the same. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.